Welcome to the Slap Dad Roof Show with your host, Evix24. Hello guys, Eric here. Welcome to another episode of the Slap Dad Roof Show. I hope everyone had a fantastic week today. I know a lot of people were probably catching up with the shows and probably asking, well, what the heck is going on with Eric? Does he not quit it? About it and the answer is well there's a lot of stuff that has been going on a lot of work getting ready for school and all that so first things first let me just go over some of the news notes and stuff for myself because i got to do all the intro i took a little break of the podcast the goal is for now for this podcast i'm going to try to upload a podcast each and every week but sometimes school work gets a little bit in the crowded side so hopefully we could get this to work if it doesn't, well, it doesn't. So expect a podcast every week, but if there is one there, don't worry about it. I'm busy. And that's the case being. Also, let's just keep in mind as well, we also wanted to focus on is the streaming, of course. Now, of course, let me just put this out there as well. My streaming thing has been going really, really well. As you know, I've recently been watching my Twitch streaming. If you haven't already, follow me at twitch.tv slash efix24. I got my Logitech G920 wheel. It is already ready to go. I've been playing Euro Truck Simulator for a little bit just to test out the wheel and get all the buffs and crannies and all the stuff for the brand new NASCAR game that is coming out pretty soon. Um... That will be really, really cool to have. So hopefully you guys are following that. Twitch.tv slash evix24. And of course, if you're new to the podcast, make sure you follow us down below. And join the Discord as well. Another thing too that I think I'll now one more announcement before we get into today's topic. Um, we're going to do a playoff pool. As you know, probably may have followed NASCAR for quite some time like I am. The playoffs start next week. And we're going to probably do a playoff pool. So keep an eye and look, look for that for information. We might be doing a giveaway for a $20 or $25 Amazon gift card. Uh, that will be something fun and exciting to at least attend to. Attend to. So a $25 Amazon gift card is on the cards for today for the playoff pool. I'll explain more in the Discord. Basically, you just fill up your playoff grade before the first race of the playoffs, which is, I think, Sunday... Uh, looking at my computer, looking at my computer, what's the date? Uh, Sunday the 5th. That is when the playoffs begin. So you have till that week, but more on that later, make sure you join the Discord as well. And as always, guys, I will always thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and let's get right into today's topic. Now, as many of you probably have known for quite a while, uh, Saturday is the Daytona race, which is the last race of the regular season. And then it's playoff racing. That is right. The playoffs start next week as we're recording this podcast. So I thought for people probably who didn't watch the NASCAR season or probably have not, I'm going to go over the top 10 storylines of the NASCAR season. Now, this is my opinion on the list. It's really not, um, really not, um, I guess no, 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 a fact, well, not really in like their opinion, but more like in my opinion as the race fan. So I came up with a list of the top 10 moments of the 2021 NASCAR season. Like moments, storylines of the 2021 season up until this point. Now keep in mind, some of these things still haven't gone down. Or some of these things may not have happened yet. Still, We still have no idea what's going to happen at Daytona. So that's the reason why it's the case. It may have to change. But for now, we're going to record... The top 10 storylines of the 2021 NASCAR season. In in counting up to the case from the probably pretty good to the best of the season. And this one, well, the number one, spoiler, number one is not one I don't want to talk about. But we're going to get to that. <clears throat> Let's begin at number 10. Number 10 on Evix's storyline. NASCAR 2021 storylines of the season is Michael McDowell's 2021 Daytona 500 win. A lot of people probably don't know who the hell is Michael McDowell. Well, Michael McDowell is one of the veterans in the NASCAR Cup Series. He came through uh, with, I think it was the Trans Am Series. I think he did an Xfinity part-time ride in 2007. In 2008, he was picked up for a Cup team in Michael Waltrip Racing when Dale Jarrett retired. 
in the beginning of 2008. Um, and then, of course, he's also reminiscent for that moment later on that season where he crashed hard in Texas versus Speed of Qualifying. That infamous Eric's Dream Machine flip. Yep, that was him on the behind the wheel. Luckily, he got out of the car okay. And, of course, it was test. This was the probably one of the significant tests of the, well, what NASCAR is called, the Gen 5, which is the car tomorrow, people call it. Then he got bounced around into, um, then after the 2008 season, he was let go and he was bounced around into, uh, lower budget teams before then picked up by Levine Family Racing, Racing, which that one was a bit interesting because he had some good runs in that team and that team later became the 2311 Racing. We'll get to that in just a little bit. He drove, I think, his best run with that team was, I think, a couple of top 10s. And then he also got his very first Xfinity Series win at Road America in 2016. So that was a big win for Michael McDowell, or maybe 2015. No, I think it was 2016. Maybe it was 2015. I don't know. He got an Xfinity Series win at Road America in a road course. But after 2017, when when um uh Racing let him go for Casey Kane, he was then hooked up to the Front Row Motorsports number 34, um, and that's where McDowell was was with Front Row up until that point. Now, in the last two years of the Daytona 500, McDowell was actually really up in the contention for the win. If you took a look at the McDowell stats with the Daytona 500 in the last two years, he finished in the top 10 in both races. He was actually in it to win it for both races as well. He is a really good plate racer. A lot of people probably know that, and that was no doubt about it. This, after the big wreck that almost took him out in lap 14, the Daytona 500 was basically a snooze fest. But McDowell was sitting in third with just a few laps to go. And on the final lap of the race, of course, if you haven't watched the race, you should be watched, should have watched it. Brakislavski, it was Logano, then it was Brakislavski, and um, leading 1-2 with Logano third, I mean with McDowell third. And we know what happened, Keslowski made a move, Logano tried to block, and those two wrecked each other. That led the hole open for McDowell to sneak through. He got the... The caution came out. He was clearly ahead of Chase Elliott when the caution came out, and he got the win, and he got to win the Daytona 500, and that was pretty good, because not only was feel a good story for McDowell, because unfortunately McDowell has been known for that flip for quite some time. McDowell probably even spoke about it, and it was like, I do not want to have them to play the clip all over again, and I and McDowell I think even said I don't want to be no, I really do not want to be known for that. So at least the good news is that he finally gets that long-awaited first career NASCAR Cup Series victory. And people thought that that was a fluke. He later almost won Talladega later on last April. He was actually right, th- again, right there. He was right behind Barakazazi. He was getting a nice push from William Byron. He made a move to an outside. Didn't quite get the push from Byron in the end. Byron just stayed behind Keselowski. And Keselowski won. McDowell came in. I think Byron came in second, I think, and McDowell came in third. And he is probably the best average, I think, the best super speedway racer right now. I think a lot of people probably could say that. He is good at road courses. We know that for a fact. He's been great. But plate race, there's racing that a lot of people probably don't know. You have to put yourself in these kind of positions where you put yourself in the best position to win. Just look at Michael McDowell. He's been put himself for countless amount of times in these positions to win. Even though he didn't win, he still put himself in those positions. That is the goal of these kind of races. You got to put yourself in these kind of positions in the last few laps. And then when the white flag comes out, the race begins. So credit to Michael McDowell as well. And I would not be surprised to put him as one of my favorites to win the Coke Sierra 400 this Saturday, this Saturday night. So that's keep that's to keep in mind as well. So McDowell, I think, definitely gets the number ten spot. A lot of other people ask, of course, now he's in the playoffs, how far can he go? Front row sports really could go out the round of sixteen. I mean, there's a lot of short tracks, not really good. It's good for road course racers, but front row knows we know front row is not really good in their equipment. But if they can get through the round of sixteen, 
Round of 12 includes Vegas and Vegas, Talladega, and the Roval as the three tracks. So if McDowell can get at least past the round of 16, that's a big win in that case. And I think he's got a great shot at making it to the round of 12. So, But regardless of that, I think it's a feel-good story for McDowell to finally get that first win and to at least be known as for a Daytona 500 champion, not as known as for that flip. So that's number 10. Number 9 on the list. Number 9 on Evix's top 10 NASCAR storylines of 2021. Hendrick Motorsports' dominance. Now this one I'm going to rank a little lower than that, but this is something we got to talk about. Hendrick Motorsports has been having a fantastic season. I don't think a lot of people probably notice that Kyle Larson is having a fantastic season. Of course, that's the big hire this year. He's in Hendrick Equipment, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, whoever is putting their money on him, the car runs up front almost consistently. And of course, remember, he's the replacement for Jimmy Johnson, and he got it done. He won five races this year. A couple of them are on road courses as well. So again, Larson is really good at any track you could put him on. Um, but not only that, let's also consider his also Hendrick teammates. Alex Bowman has had a great season. He's got three wins this year. They have been inconsistent, though, this year. So keeping that in mind. So let's hope that the Alla 48 is really good. Then, of course, we go on to Chase Elliott. Of course, last year, defending NASCAR Cup Series champion. Elliott, I think he's won twice. Yeah, he won twice. He won at the Range Shore Circuit of the Americas, which we'll get to in just a little bit. And, of course at Road America, the inaugural cup race at Road America. And then, of course, we get to my driver, William Byron, who won a homestead to start off the season. He's been doing pretty good, and he's had pretty much built up some consistency. The July really slumped up a little bit, and then, you know, they've had bad luck, they have had bad runs, um, and, of course, he almost won in Michigan had he been not bottled the restart. I think he probably got booed by Hamlin. He had a second place at Michigan. Of course, coming in there as the defending Coke Zero 400 winner. Keep in mind as well, William Byron is also a good play racer too. So I would not be surprised as well if we can see William Byron also maybe try to get at least one more win before the playoffs. But I think definitely a multi-win season is on the cards with William Byron. It's just the pickers been have they felt him back. But as we take a look at the 400 cars, they have gotten a lot more speed in those Hendrick Chevys, whether it's because of the RCR alliance they had, where they've been building engines, they've been sharing data. But besides that, they look fantastic. Um, definitely a force to be reckoned with and something to keep in mind in the playoffs. When you make your playoff grids this year, it's going to be really interesting to see how much Hendrick, how, how long can the Hendrick cars last? Can it be? Can they be the first team to sweep the top four? championship spots well larson looks like the championship favorite he's going to go on to win probably win the regular season championship on saturday maybe win the whole thing on in 10 weeks time um we know elliot is the 20th defending cup champion we never we can't count him on the playoffs bowman if they can get that consistency working out i think definitely they got a good chance and don't count out william byron rudy fugel out either they've been working together really well. We saw them should have made it into the Final Four that year. That year when they were in the Truck Series. And fun fact, too, um, just a side note, um, the Willie, uh, if you're wondering how did they get the playoff format from the current playoff format, I think you should say, it was actually because of William Byron. When William Byron was dominant in the Truck Series, in the second-to-last race, he had an engine failure at and they basically eliminated him from playoff contention. He was not allowed to, and of course he ended up winning the Homestead race the next week, and he didn't end up winning the championship, which was disappointing. A lot of t people were disappointed that William Byron did not win the championship where he well-deserved, and that's why they implemented the stages and the stage points and all that. So, I think William, I think those four cars are definitely something to keep an eye on for the rest of the season and definitely throughout the playoffs. Which one of them will make it through? I have no idea. That's why it's tough to even predict those playoffs. you got to do the same when filling out those playoff grids. But that's really cool. But speaking of teams, we have two new teams in the NASCAR season. That leads to my number eight 
of Storyline this season. That is the two new teams in the NASCAR Cup Series. Now, for those people who don't know, we have two brand new teams in the NASCAR Cup Series that are startups. Uh, those teams are Team Trackhouse, Trackhouse Racing, and no, Team Trackhouse is the tin name and the first team, and 2311 Racing. I'll start with 2311 Racing. 2311 Racing, of course, by the name of the title, it's owned, mo mostly owned by Michael Jordan, of course, big NBA player, six-time NBA champion, of course, he also owns the Charlotte Hornets, uh, and then, of course, the 11, Danny Hamlin, who currently drives the number 11, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. We'll talk about Hamlin in a little bit as well, because Hamlin is also on the list, but not for, probably not for the reasons as well. Of course, their driver is with Bubba Wallace, and then, of course, we, of course, Team Trackhouse, which Justin Marks is the majority order, as well as Pitbull. Pitbull is also the majority majority order. And, of course, if you don't know who Justin Marks is as well, Justin Marks also used to race in NASCAR. I think he was raced with Chip Ganassi Racing, I think, in a couple of Xfinity races. He also won at Road America in a wet race. His only NASCAR win came in Road America. I mean, not Road America. Mid-Ohio in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. That was on a wet track. So... Keep that in mind as well. And, of course, we talk about Pitbull. He's one of the... He's a pop artist. Of course, he's Latin. Bless you! Sorry, that. But... Uh, he's very popular. And, of course, their driver is Daniel Suarez, who is not only the first Mexican... Um, the first... Um, is, is a Mexican-born driver. He is from Mexico. He's also the first uh, non... I think Hispanic, I'm going to say Hispanic, Hispanic driver to not only win win a NASCAR championship, a NASCAR Premier Series championship, the Xfinity Series. He was the 2016 Xfinity Series champion. champion. Let's talk about these two guys' seasons. I'll start with Trackhouse first. Trackhouse Racing got a little bit of the terrible start, and they have been actually been really, really good. I've been looking at them. They've had some pretty good consistency as well. Of course, their best races came at Dirt Bristol, where Daniel Suarez looked like he had a shot at the win. I mean, I have not seen Daniel Suarez had a shot to win in the Cup Series in three years. I think his last chance, I think his only other shot at winning a Cup race was either the All-Star race in 2018 and the uh, Pocono race later on um, when he was in to win it. I think he got a pole there as well. Daniel Suarez, I think, has been one of the ones, I think, has had um, rides where um, he was rushed. To, of course, he was in, he got, of course, if you don't know how Daniel Suarez got in the Cup Series, he got Carl Edwards, who, and Joe Gibbs, Carl is retired, like, three weeks before the season. Daniel Suarez was the only driver. He got thrown into the, behind the wheel in the, in the, in the Cup car. He had, I think, two seasons in the Cup, Joe Gibbs car, before moving to Moving to, uh, moving to, uh, Stuhrhaus Racing, to for a year. And then he had to go to Gold Pros Racing because he wasn't winning that much. And then, which was I think, which and then he had to move to Stuhrhaus, and then he had to move out of Stuhrhaus Racing actually because sorry about that. He had a um, there was a deal with um, one of his sponsors. He was merged with another company. The company was filing their, you know, trying to figure out the financial statement, and told me story couldn't wait, so he was let go. And then he had to get a non. He had a uh, non. And then he had to go to like a low budget team. And then he got hired by Justin Barks in the startup team. And they've been doing really well. I would say that. 2311 Racing had issues as well, trying to get off the ground. They've not been really. They've been pretty good, decent. Now they've been really decent. Now they've had to get some consistency. They've been really inconsistent. And the other thing, too, is that, um, and the bad news is, though, is that Michael Jordan said, I think, before even the season started, that they're going to be instant playoff contenders when they start, when they uh, get the team rolling. Which, here's the deal. Unless you really have a great shot at winning a race, which, unfortunately, though, that is not the case with this year. Although, again, let's keep that, let's just, let me remind you that we are before Daytona and both these teams can actually win. 
but neither of those teams really had a shot. I think 23-11 Racing finally got the strike. They got their first top 10 and top 5 at Pocono in the doubleheader. Um, they've been getting getting better and better each and every day, but at the each and every race, but I think they'll be much better next week, next year when they uh next year where both these teams can actually be playoff contenders. Now keep in mind as well, both these guys are in the top 25 points. I think that's pretty solid as well. I think 20 I think if you had asked me which team is the better team, I would say I would say Team Trackhouse because they have actually had some consistent, I think, had more of a consistent basis. And plus, they were in the top 20 in points for quite some time. They were actually, Team Trackhouse actually was competing for a playoff spot for quite a while until I think Suarez had some bad races. Well, bad races, and then, you know, that's the way it goes. Then, you know, that's the way it goes. Unfortunately, with NASCAR, they're going to have a couple bad races that you can't control, and, you know, that's just how, how it is. But I think I'll say, commissionally, they are both really good teams. And plus, they're going to be expanding pretty soon, which we will talk about that because that leads us into our, well, into one of our, um, into one of our um, topics for that. But so far, those two teams are doing really well. We'll see if one of those two teams in a few days' time on Saturday, if one of those two teams can knock off get into the playoffs remember one spot is open for grabs now let's talk about the new tracks of the nascar cup series which is number seven on my list the new tracks we've went to seven new venues uh, a couple new venues on the list let's start off with the first one which is the dirt bristol that was a race that i think a lot of people had their attentions to uh they put Bristol on dirt. It was NASCAR's first race on dirt for over 50 years. And I thought the dirt race was pretty good. I think the dirt race was actually a pretty fun race in the end. I mean, it was a skillful track. Um, got a lot of people, got a lot of attention, obviously. And I thought it was a pretty decent race. I thought, you know, we had some great racing. We had some underdogs. We had some drivers who were... Who, you don't you normally see in the front do well um, like Daniel Suarez and it turned out to be a really exciting race the only issue though they had was one moment where NASCAR didn't um, water the track and uh, water the track and it got dusty and then they had to lead to single file restarts so you can kind of see how it really it really had there some bad moments but in the end, I think the Dirt Bristol race is really good. Of course, it will be back on the schedule next year in the NASCAR Cup Series. There's just one issue, though, and that is the Dirt Bristol race. It got rained out because of torrential downpour, actually. It got to the point where it was flooding around the track. So regardless of that, they had to push the race to the next day, unfortunately, which really sucked because nothing NASCAR could do. But again, the weather really played an important part of it. Speaking of weather... That is what happened in the next new track on the NASCAR schedule, which is Circuit of the Americas. Another track where a lot of people had their attentions to, Circuit of the Americas. It was also not only NASCAR's first trip at Circuit of the Americas, it was also the very first wet race in the NASCAR Cup Series. Now, keep in mind, I know a lot of people probably said, oh, did they put the rain tires in Charlotte? Yes, they did. They put tires in the Charlotte for the Roval. But that was for damp conditions, and it wasn't really that bad. That bad. As Coda. Coda was absolutely worst. I was thinking of the tropical storm that we had um, on last Sunday. That was... That was what they raced in. And visibility became an issue, of course. And we had a couple moments where... Uh, where we had guys run in the back of each other because they couldn't see in the back straightaway. Obviously, Cirque Americas they don't have a they don't have a drainage they don't have that. And keep in mind as well, NASCAR's in it hasn't really been experienced well with the uh, rain races. Although they had a couple of Xfinity races and all that, you know, you could say that. And they raced in a monsoon at a at a Charlotte Roval last year, but it wasn't really that bad of a rate that bad of a. Uh, 
of a race where they can stop the race and clean up and then they can try it again. They they ended up, I think, stopping the race at that point, then driving the back straight away, and then they had a minute that they should have called the race at that point, and then they kept going, and then at that point, when the second torrential downpour, when it became undrivable, then they called the race there, but... Um, I would say circuit. I would say it as well. Circuit Americas had great attendance. Um, a lot of people came to the races. A lot of young people came to the attendance, which is one of the um, big things for NASCAR. They have had a young audience. Um, so it, young audience for points of time. I think they're one of the uh, top ten growing, growing uh, brands in millennials and under Gen Zs like my age. And um, so, yeah, I think that's really, really cool. And Austin is one of the places where I think young people like to be around. I think young youth people get to be a part. And uh, I think a lot of insiders who went to the racetrack um, say that uh, it was really good. I think a lot of people were there. And so I think Circuit of the Americas does give it a, a good thumbs up. Of course, we don't know if Circuit of the Americas will get a return next year. Probably, most likely, they will. Because um, I think NASCAR really wants to try it out, see if they can work out the rain. Uh, because last year, obviously, the, it was it was absolutely crazy with the wet. So we'll hopefully that NASCAR gets gives Circuit Americas another go because I think we want to see it in the dry. Because I think in the dry as well, it's a very challenging track. So Circuit Americas, I think, gets my vote. Then the next track that we are going we go to is. Um, Road America. Road America was a pretty good race. I wouldn't say it's one exciting, but it was pretty good. You still had... It's great to see cup cars go around this Road America, and I think, you know, I think it's pretty great to have it on 4th of July weekend. I thought the crowd was pretty great. Um, it was basically that, I think, all I could say. Because in the end, I looked at it, and I was like, yeah, it's not bad. I mean... It didn't really have its moments like Xfinity, Xfinity does. Most of, the, most of the races were clean, so good for that, I guess. But at the same time, you know, I want to say, could we go to Road America again? I think do it again for the tenants, but I don't know. It wasn't, it's not my cup of tea. I think Road America was pretty, pretty good, but at the same time, it just didn't have its, like, starting moments like what it usually was in the Xfinity series. Because when Xfinity just went to Road America, it was a big events but um now since the cup series go to it you know more ex expectations are usually oh the the xfinity should be like the cup series it's finish series but xfinity but now nah, that's not the case no. so run america i think gets my plus but i think i would like to see more on excitement for road america which then let's go to the last i think uh new track of the day i think that new track is the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. Now, the road course in Indianapolis Motor Speedway was really, really good. But, there has been some big blunders that... Been some big blunders, spoiler alert, for, the ne for later down for, for the end of the podcast. Where, the, where things got a little out of hand. I'm not gonna spoil it for the, spoil it for later. I'm gonna save it for later, for the people who want to know what happened. But it was really good. I think really good up until that point. We will find out why it was pretty terrible at that point. But I think in the end, um, I think the dirt bristol sh should not be a permanent solution. If you're asking me. I think Dirt Bristol is good enough for like one or two races, but then after that you gotta either go to a dirt track or don't bother at all. Like I don't want to lose a short track date because we want to try, we want to um, give um, put dirt on a put dirt on a racetrack that would actually work. That really was the case. Then we're gonna talk about last year's winners, big biggest winners in slumps slumps this season so a lot of drivers this year of course we had of course if you're watching last year as well uh two drivers really were probably the dominus guys made the most winningest drivers 
The first guy I think that comes to mind, a lot of people were shocked to not see win was Kevin Harvick. Now, in one of my earlier podcasts, a side note for Harvick, is that uh, Kevin Harvick, of course, sponsored Jimmy John's, pulled out um, on pulled out after last weekend in Michigan. So Jimmy John Sandwiches is no longer a sponsor on Kevin Harvick. Their replacement? Well, um, ironically, it's another sub-store. It's probably the downgrade. Subway is now the primary sponsor for Kevin Harvick and Struhaus Racing. I cannot believe Subway is back on the freaking race car, on, on a race car. Who thought of that? I don't know. But Kevin Harvick had his best year in the NASCAR Cup Series. Nine wins. He had a, like, he finished in the top five. He was one of the guys that you knew he was going to be a contender with. But the last four races, I mean, he finished second at Kansas, but he was leading all day. The pit crew just didn't get him in the last spot. And just like what happened to William Byron basically at Michigan, happened to Kevin Harvick last year at Kansas. Logano just used the dirty air to block block Harvick and Harvick couldn't pass him and that's what happened. Harvick did not win in Kansas. Of course at Texas while leading he hit the wall hard and then of course at Martinsville where he basically he hit the wall hard. He finished there and the Martinsville were a track where Harvick's never good at had a rough day and then of course got eliminated via via tiebreaker I think or via one point. He had to try to turn Kyle Busch around and failed and he got eliminated and of course a lot of people were calling the playoff system being the case but let's just keep in mind the playoffs there is no guarantees of playoffs you got to perform well and like i said you win and lose as a team and i think it goes down to that kansas race as well if the team got out of harvick first it would probably be a whole different story and harvick has not been doing really well Sturhaus racing also as a whole has not been doing well a lot of people probably were shocked to not hear shocked to hear that um, obviously, I think they're going to put two cars in the playoffs last year. They put three because Eric Amarillo was doing really well, and Cole Custer got his very first win as a rookie. This year, Chase Briscoe is making his first year. Cole Custer's had a sophomore sl- slump. Kevin Harvick has had a horrible season where he, I don't think, any of the races besides the Daytona 500, I think Kevin Harvick has been a threat to win. And... Eric Amarola won, hit one at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, although, even though he did do a pretty good job at New Hampshire, remember the race was shortened by eight laps due to daylight. We will talk about how Eric Amarola basically got that win pretty soon. Pretty soon, but Bell was catching up. You'll, ex- you'll understand why I said that. But... It is weird to see that Kevin Harvick has not been winning races, and I don't know if it's because their hostess is just focused now on the next-gen car, the, you know, maybe the Haas, the team is focused on Formula 1 now with the, of course, Haas Racing, but I don't think it's really the case because now Haas F1 is not doing really well, but it's just really questionable. And then here's another guy that probably won a lot of races that didn't really, he's not really been doing well and that is Denny Hamlin Denny Hamlin has not won a race guys Denny Hamlin's won a couple races and made the final four as well and still is looking for his first win of the year now Ham unlike Harvick Hamlin was threatening for wins um during the year however though Hamlin was on the back bumper of Lagana for so many times at the dirt bristle race on the on the restart on an overtime Hamlin was told by his team you should go boo Logano out of the way. Do whatever it takes to win. Hamlin decided that he'll take the high line and basically give the win to Logano. And then, at Richmond, Alex Bowman was able to... He was he was able to allow Alex Bowman, who took two tires, to get away from him. And Alex Bowman, I think... Or maybe no, I think Alex Bowman had four tires, I think. But he let Alex Bowman get away from him. And Bowman did not have a good car that way. And Bowman got enough to a lead where Hamlin was going to chase him down. And Hamlin ran out of time. He didn't get the win. Of of course, it's very terrible. um, That two wins really... Two wins 
that Hamlin could have had were basically thrown away because Hamlin didn't do what he needed to do to win the race. And that's why Hamlin is probably one of the reasons why maybe Hamlin has won a championship either. I know all this, I know I'm saying this, but Hamlin has not won a championship. He's not aggressive. He's not one of those guys. And when you look at like Logano and all those guys who've won championship, they've been aggressive. They've been aggressive at some times. And um, it's very weird, very, very weird that Hamlin has not won a race yet. Of course, of course, let's also forget that as well. He was leading at the Indy Road Course until when he got spun around by Chase Briscoe, who was Chase Briscoe was going for the win initially, but he didn't know he was been penalized by NASCAR for cutting the chicane. So, it's very weird to see both Hamlin and Harvick now win a race this year. And Hamlin had the regular season championship um, pretty much clinched up until when Briscoe spun him out. He was ahead of Larson at that point. And until blame Briscoe, basically, for Hamlin win losing the uh, losing the, um, the regular season championship. And that's like 15 extra playoff points. That's a total of three wins Hamlin just basically lost. Um, and, uh, we'll see what, how Hamlin does as well. And he's also probably the worst Gibbs car in that sequence, which is, I think I really don't want to say that, but I think it's the truth, but we'll see if Hamlin and Harvick can, neither one of them can win. Harvick's worst, but let's just put a star, I think, um, next to Harvick, because Harvick's worst, if you're asking me what, what is Harvick, Kevin Harvick's worst season at Strawhaus Racing, it was actually in 2017. And Harvick still made the play. Still not only made... He only won two races. Harvick won at Sonoma to get in the playoffs. Then he won at Texas Motor Speedway to get in the championship. Four. He still finished third. That's Harvick's worst season. I think, definitely, I think Kevin Harvick can still potentially pull it out. Who knows what the playoffs would bring. But Harvick did lock himself in the playoffs after the Michigan race. So we'll see where he can go from there. That is number six on my list. Now we move on to number five, which is the silly season in 2021. This is where I think it gets really interesting. So let's start off with the silly season, new fa- old face to new places. Of course, the new, the biggest, um, the biggest news was Brad Keselowski uh, stepping away from T Penske to um, take a driver ownership role at Roush Family Racing. Of course, it was all but confirmed at this point. Actually, it was initially announced in May, and people, or maybe in late April, and people knew it. People knew it, and then people were like, oh yeah, the garage. People think, oh, it's all but confirmed now. Everyone's confirmed that it's the case, and even Bob Pockress, we talked, we talked about Pockress Poco. He's like, yeah, it's all but confirmed. It's all but confirmed. Everyone knows that we're just waiting on an announcement. Which later in July, Kozlowski announced that he would be leaving Team Penske and going to Team Rashford Racing. Which I cannot believe. Roger Penske let Brad Keselowski go um, for that reason. So that mean that meant that uh, the two car, the two car that Keselowski was currently driving, is open, open for someone else. Austin Cindric will take his place behind the wheel. Of course, he was initially driving, going to drive for the Wood Brothers next year. Was announced last year, but now since there's a seat open in Roger Penske, Cindric was going to take it no matter what, and he's doing a fantastic job in the Xfinity series. The Wood Brothers, people thought that Matt Benedetto may be lucky to get a ride, but unfortunately, unless Matt Benedetto finds a win, gets a win in the Cup Series, he's going to be, I think we're going to see the last 11 races of Matt Benedetto in the Cup Series. It really sucks for him. Um, of course, I'll talk about Matt Benedetto a little bit. Matt Benedetto, Benedetto starting like lower tier equipment. I think he got a top 10 at Bristol in 2016 for BK Racing. It was an underfunded team. It was a team that had a bankruptcy issue later on, you know, things like that. He was able to get a top-tier ride. Uh, he was in the go-fast racing, then he worked his way up, then he got the Love Line Family Racing Deer when they were in Joe Gibbs for a year in 2019, and he almost won at Bristol, but lap car really paid. I think he got held up by a lap car, and Hamlin was able to pass him with a win. Then in 2020, he was with the Wood Brothers. Now, and he did pretty well in the first season. He made the playoffs. Unfortunately, though, he did not win the race, though, like a lot of people probably anticipated. And unfortunately, he's had a slump season this year, and a lot of people probably thought he would get at least one more year, but that's not the case. Harrison Burton will be replacing him 
and the number 21 for the Wood Brothers. Which means Benedetto is looking for a ride next year, and it's going to be really tough to find a ride. And here's why. On the other side of that, since the charters system has been really been the big story for NASCAR, uh, teams are buying charters, of course, for to, to expand it. We talk about the two teams as well. Team Trackhouse, a team, um, and, T and 2311 Racing. Trackhouse bought Ganassi's team, the whole team, their assets, their race shops, their equipment, everything. And basically, what we're doing, what they're doing, basically, is that Team Trackhouse is Ganassi Racing. The current Ganassi team is going to be the new Team Trackhouse Racing. So they'll get a better updated shop. They're going to get a lot of new equipment, a lot more personnel. It's going to be really good to see. It was a good purchase by Justin Marks. We don't know what the offer was. We knew the charters were going to be at least worth $10 million so each. So Justin Marks had to put like $20 million and probably more just to get probably more to buy all of Ganassi's assets in the NASCAR Cup Series. So Ganassi Racing in the Cup Series is going to be known as the new Team Trackhouse. So, and that means Team Trackhouse had an open seat uh, because they also want to expand to two cars. And of course, they allowed to sign Ross Chastain, who currently drives in Ganassi. Now, Kurt Busch was a... Of course, you probably said, well, why Kurt Busch? Well, Kurt Busch was rumored and probably all but confirmed now that Kurt Busch is most likely going to 2311 Racing. Now, however, though, 2311 Racing has not purchased a charter. Rumor has it that they're going to buy the Front Road Motorsports team. Uh, but we don't know if that's... We don't know if uh, talks have been reached, but that's been a big rumor. A lot of people have been pretty much... Uh, been saying that so that's another purchase of the team chart as well we know um uh there was another team as well calling racing is going into the cup series next year we are in it was announced that justin haley is going to run full time with aj elmendinger running part-time as well and aj of course recently aj elmendinger got calling's first win in the nascar cup series in the indianapolis road course who would have thought lo and behold who would have thought that that would be the case but aj elmendinger got it done Colin Racing is going to be a team to be, keep an eye for. They also bought two charters from Spire Motorsports. Um, and that's why that led to 20, uh, track, Team Trackhouse buy, buying uh, Ganassi because they don't have a charter. They were currently leasing Spire Motorsports charter for that for this year. Now the long-term stability. And also we'll, we'll keep in mind as well that Eric Jones also signed a deal. A lot of people with Richard Petty Motorsports... That was just announced this year. Of course, it's been announced that Kendrick had all Henrik. They're trying to secure all Henrik Motorsports drivers. Larson got a deal extension. Bowman got a deal extension. Larson got a deal extension, I think. Elliot and Byron are the next two guys to get deal extensions for Henrik Motorsports. Try to keep job security there. So you can kind of see teams trying to, trying to work around the drivers. Um... Of course, we don't know what Ryan Newman is going to be doing this next this year because he's leave. He's most likely out the door for Roush Fenway um, because Keselowski's coming to replace him. With Busher being the case, we have no idea what will happen. But that's the case because of the new next gen car. We don't know how many new teams will be in the Cup Series next year because now rumor has it that GMS Racing is going to be in the Cup Series next year. We got new teams, of course, another new team gms racing is going to be next year in the cup series now people rumor has it that a big toyota team in the camping world truck series thor sport could be potentially in the cup series next year as well it's all because of the next gen car we will we will talk about the next gen car in a very in a few because that also gets a shout out and you'll you'll figure out why because that's up on the list as well but let's start off with um, a little one, number four. I put this high up on my list. I really don't know about this, but there's been the number placement debate. The number placement debate has been going on for quite some time. Now, and if you don't know the story, here's what happened. Last year, NASCAR tested out trying to move the numbers back for the All-Star race, thinking of the next-gen car for, for, next, for 2022. And of course, it looked horrible. I mean, you saw the numbers at back. It looked very terrible. The team, it just looked ugly. And and it got the NASCAR world really shocked, shaken. Now, 
it was known for quite a while that the inevitable happen. NASCAR will most likely make a change this year, and people are like, oh my gosh. So it's going to be either NASCAR is going to move the numbers back or move it forward. And it was later announced that NASCAR will be moving the numbers instead of backwards, forwards. Now, I, th I still am not a fan of the decision, but, however, though, moving the numbers slightly forward really doesn't change much on the next-gen car. Actually, it actually looks better moving the numbers slightly forward to the next forward, probably where the um, the next exhaust pipe is. Don't move it is where a good spot is. And a lot of people probably are liking the numbers moving forward. I think it's a great idea. I don't like, I still think the driver should be on the door, the numbers should be on the door still, but I think the numbers moving forward is a better option than moving the numbers back. And we've already seen some fantastic paint schemes, um, fantastic paint concepts. If you haven't seen them yet, you should go check out, I think, Full Circle Racing Designs, where uh, they're making a next-gen mod for NR2003, the game. And the car that, um, uh, this guy really made a beautiful car, um, the uh, with William Byron's paint scheme with the flames and it looks so sick even with the number moving forward you could still make room for you know big sponsors on the side of the car and I've actually been trying it out and it works really well I think moving the numbers slightly forward is a better option I just don't know I think a little too far a little forward but not too much I think if you move it closer to where the rear wheel meets, uh, that will be a problem. I think that's a little too much. I think a little bit, a little bit like that really makes a difference. And also how you paint the car. If you make it look terrible, it doesn't look good. But if you make it, if you do it right, it doesn't look like it even moved at all. So if move it, I think if I were them, move the numbers forward to the A pillar, please, to the A pillar just before the end of the driver's window. If you can do that, I'm satisfied with that. Satisfied with the race cars. That is my opinion on it. I still think the numbers should be on the door, but I like it, and it looks good on the next-gen mod, too. And I've been ex and actually, it looks good on some next on, on some Gen 6 cars as well. I've been experimenting it with myself as well. But um, I guess number three storyline, I guess we can start off with number three. Number three on the storyline of season is the next... Um, probably the biggest thing on the list is racing in the rain. Uh, of course, the biggest news of the day. Of course, we're talking about the Cup Series race Dakota Circuit of the Americas. Um, it looked very weird. Um, with Circuit of the Americas being the first ever wet race in the NASCAR Cup Series, you would think they would get rid of um would they do a terrible job i think racing in the rain the cup series is a, is a fantastic uh i would say a fantastic move by nascar um but it really wasn't it really is interesting to see there as well also it depends on how well they officiate the races which i think you probably already know what number one is hit <laughs> hint Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. But we're going to get to that in just a little bit. Racing in the rain has been really an, an interesting skill. And it's one that you got to really, I wouldn't say comprehend, but also try to excel in. You got to officiate the races correctly. You got to get make sure that the drive is safe. And you got to make sure the track is visible. Because visibility was a key part in what happened to Coda. Where the track was so blind that cars were running in the back of each other and... It made it look like unsafe. It made it look terrible for NASCAR. Um, but also, in the headlines, NASCAR is developing an intermediate tire. Um, well, I'm, when I say intermediate tire, I mean the intermediate tire that you usually see in Formula 1. Similar. That could be run in ovals. Short ovals. Like Martinsville, uh, Richmond, even New Hampshire Motor Speedway especially in the road courses as well. And of course, NASCAR has been developing that tire for quite some time. They should have that tire most likely ready for next year too. So we could expect to see two different types of wet tire and maybe even some wet races 
uh, when racing on ovals. That is an interesting part. I don't know when NASCAR founded, and I really am in intrigued on how the heck they're going to do this. Because I saw the Circuit of the Americas race, and you would think that there's no way you could do that. Now, people ask, oh, they're never going to race in the rain again. No, they have to race in the rain, unfortunately, on these road courses. They cannot postpone the race. Racing in the rain is probably the better option for NASCAR than to postpone the race. If they can run in the rain in some of these racetracks, they can get it done. However, though, there's going to be some times where they probably can't do it. They can't do it because it's so wet, it's just not, not safe. And uh, obviously NASCAR really hasn't learned their lesson from that. Uh, we're gonna and you're gonna get to the end. Let me get to the number one thing. Uh, you guys are gonna love the number one thing, and uh, you might be seeing banter for a little bit. But we're gonna get to that in just a little bit. But I think the race in the rain is kind of the future. But again, at the same time, it's gonna only go the the intermediate tire and the race in the rain. It's gonna be random, but it's something to keep an eye on for. And drivers are really asking for more improvements on that. So again. I'm really hoping we can get some more improvements on like wet weather equipment and maybe some better officiating and maybe a change of the rules too because a lot of actually a fun fact NASCAR has to throw a yellow at when it raises the rain. A lot of people ask maybe should NASCAR change the rules a little bit and maybe instead of not throwing the yellow maybe they can have the teams decide it. We'll see. We'll see if any rule changes be applied. Also as well Single file restarts if it's too wet in the visibility part. So NASCAR can make the call. Which, I hate single file restarts. That's why they put double file restarts for a reason. Alright, now let's move on to number two on our storylines of the season so far for the NASCAR se 2021 NASCAR season. Um, is the next-gen car. Of course, it was long awaited that we finally got the next-gen car revealed. Now, what I meant to Say was, oh, the next-gen car's already been revealed for quite a while, Eric. Well, it's going on. Well, I met the next-gen car for the OEMs, the manufacturers, Chevy, Ford, and Toyota. We haven't seen the mods. We've seen the, we've seen the prototype of it. We've seen many prototypes of the next-gen car, even. Um, on track, doing testing and all that. Now the manufacturers have finally unveiled their brand-new car, that you're gonna do Chevy Ford and Toyota Chevy's gonna have the ZL1 the Ford Mustang's gonna be the Shelby boss and the Toyota is gonna stick with the Toyota Camry uh, soup uh, sport those are gonna be unveiled in the, and of course they were revealed this year and we've already seen the split and of course the first thing on the list is that they're much shorter than the next car cup um, the current car which is the gen 6 car they're much wider than the gen 6 car they are uh, they sound different with the exhaust system. Uh, they have diffusers now. Uh, composited bodies, the 18-inch rims, the single lug nuts next year. All that to make it easier to take some parts out. So that And the goal, and I'm probably ask, well, what's the goal for the next-gen car? Well, not only to make it easier to own a car, but also easier to build and assemble. Because what they're trying to do is take a car that you could run at Daytona, take a few parts out take a few parts out of the car and have it ready for a track like the Ro Martinsville or something like that. A totally different track. That saves the team's money. So, again, we don't know what the running cost is. We've seen the next-gen car already be in testing so many times. The Toyota car had recently had a test crash at uh, Texas Motor Speedway, so they got to rebuild that car. That as of now, the team should be almost done assembling their cars. We should see the team start testing their next-gen cars at Daytona in September, hopefully. And, of course, the uh, goal for the next-gen car is to have it ready by the time they drop the green flag in the Daytona 500 next year. Uh, technically, it's the, fir the first race is actually... Technically, actually... Technically, it's actually the it's actually the clash of this year, a uh, next year's clash, because technically that is the first next gen race. They did say they are going to use the next gen car for the Daytona Road Course in the clash. So technically, actually, the the clash of next year is going to be the first race of the next gen car. So keep that in mind when you're doing your NASCAR trivia. 
but if you're asking when can I get a hand on this, of, of course, obviously, um, we will the na next year's NASCAR game will have it. You can go drive it on iRacing, and Nora is getting a mod ready to go. That's why you've seen some paint schemes already. There's a brilliant amount of designers doing it. And also, I should also mention as well, I forgot to mention the Silly Season, all the fact that NASCAR could have a fourth manufacturer in the Cup Series. Of course, that will lead me into my honorable mentions. Um, my honorable mentions, because we're getting close to number one. Number two, number two. Of course, the rumor, let's start with the honorable mentions. Of course, the next the NASCAR game, the new NASCAR game 21, Ignition Motorsports game's been doing really well. Of course, it comes out two years, two months in line. NASCAR's four, uh, new electric series. They're trying to get a electric... Uh, support series or i should say a more like a series where it's run in between seasons non points non doesn't go well with the uh series but all electric series to try to lure in new manufacturers uh no word yet on what manufacturers could be able to sign speaking of new manufacturers rumor has it of course nascar is almost done dealing with their fourth manufacturer and the rumor has it that the fourth manufacturer is actually Honda. Honda, a lot of people think that, I think it's, a lot of insiders think that Honda, who will be done with Formula 1 after this year, are more likely to go to the NASCAR Cup Series next year. Um, if that's true, um, that could be true because, of course, we know Honda's leaving F1. They sold off their engine rights to Red Bull Racing and they got that we know they're an IndyCar. They're probably one of the biggest car brands in the United States, so it's no surprise that I think Honda would definitely try to race a NASCAR. And of course, they have a they have the Toyota, which is their other Japanese competitor in the series. So I wouldn't see that as a surprise that Honda would be joining. Um, of course, NASCAR is. Trying to bring back some old tracks like North Wilkesboro and Nashville Fairgrounds. We've already seen some countless, um, countless uh, events where people have been trying to get Nashville Fairgrounds being back on the schedule. Where North Wilkesboro Speedway, an old short track in the uh, North Carolina that's in the middle of nowhere, um, is also getting pursued as a return for the NASCAR Cup Series, a 20-year-old track. Um that NASCAR used to go to back in the 90s. Um, another track that NASCAR would love to go back to. We'll see if one or both of those tracks go back in the NASCAR Cup Series. But that's going to require some funding from the outsiders. And that leads us to our number one topic storyline of the 2021 NASCAR season. And unfortunately, I hate to do this. I really do. But unfortunately, the number one biggest storyline of the 2021 NASCAR season is the officiating blunders. Oh no. Oh, where do I begin? Um, <sighs> I hate doing that. I really do. But unfortunately, I have to do this. A lot of people have been really concerned with the next gen car being racing on the track. Which I get it. I'm more concerned with is how our official our our current the, the current people who run the officials who currently run the Nat our NASCAR races cannot even figure out how when the fuck to throw the when the fuck to throw the yellow flag. Excuse my language, but that is true. The officials don't have any I no clue when to throw the yellow flag and when not. And we could give you an example of a couple blunders that they really had. Um so, we'll start off with the Daytona road course race where NASCAR threw yellow with th with um, with 15 laps to go in a race where in the in the um, Daytona road course for a pop up shower in the middle of the track that led to the teams basically pitting for that allowed the teams to pit for wet tires, which really it led to the teams putting on fresh tires and uh, made NASCAR look like idiots. NASCAR did not throw a yell out for NASCAR did not throw a yell out for a loose tire that came out of the pits in Kansas. It didn't go out on the racetrack. It went in the grass, but it was it didn't go far in the grass to where they threw the yellow. 
NASCAR kept the race green for almost like I think 10 laps or so until everyone made the green on pit stops and then throw the yellow out as well rather than throwing the yellow out right then and there to award the teams who stayed out to gain the track position. That's most likely race fixing. And of course the circuit of the Amer and of course we have the dirt race at Bristol where NASCAR was decided not to water the track that much and decided to water the track in between stages which led to dust which led to wrecks and led to NASCAR led to NASCAR then drying winning the track every 15 lap every had leading to NASCAR and the competition yellow every 15 laps breaking up the flow it was really poorly run and of course they had the dust bowl where they couldn't water they had a war they had trouble with the watering of the track um because it because if they don't water the track that much in the dirt race it gets dusty and that led to visibility speaking of visibility issues that's what happened to circuit of the americas race in the inaugural circuit of the americas race in the back straight away the the visibility was so bad that we had two wrecks where drivers couldn't ran the back of each other because they couldn't see and uh, where I think Bell, Blaney spun, Bell spun, and Ruse run into the back by Christopher Bell. And then later down the line, Kevin Harvick checking up, and he got rammed in the back by Bubba Wallace. And then later, and then if NASCAR didn't thought to red flag the race at that point, they let the race go green. And Truex had the same exact thing, ran in the back of someone, then later get run in the back by Cole Custer, who had a hard hit impact as well. Then NASCAR had the hugest blunder, of course, for racing the rain. How about racing the rain when the when they're on select tires in the New Hampshire Motor Speedway race? The it started raining when NASCAR threw the green flag to start the race in turns one and two. NASCAR kept the race going for eight laps until Kyle Busch, Truex, though who was leading the race, Truex, who was running second, and Denny Hamlin running third, all crashed because the track was so wet. Kyle Busch was late, was out of the race, was out of the race, and it really sucked for Kyle Busch because Kyle Busch actually had interstate batteries. He, of course, he's in, he's he's sponsored by Interstate Batteries, and he had all these like VIP people and all stuff. How would you like to be one of those VIP people to to root for Kyle Busch and then not get to see most of the race because your driver most likely not to see the race after eight laps because NASCAR completely for didn't know when to throw. When was it? It wasn't pouring long enough to throw the yellow, um, so that was embarrassing, and it led to an hour delay. And actually, they ran out of darkness because they had a step because they had to start the race at three o'clock p.m. Eastern time due to catching the West Coast ice. NASCAR had to end the race eight laps short due to darkness. It was super dark. We had to, we got out of the track at eight thirty, eight thirty in the eight thirty at night. If you want to learn more about that situation, go watch our first podcast, my very first podcast, the NASCAR Race Day Experience Experiences. I explain more about it. But it doesn't get there because, of course, we gotta talk about the Indianapolis Road Course. With four six laps to go, Martin Truex Jr. spun out, throwing a lot of debris in the backstretch curb, which really had problems where in an earlier yellow where the the track workers found out they had to use um, pry bars to pry open the curb and later found a splitter with a radiator pan in it. With six laps to go in the race, Truex spun out throwing lots of debris, which broke the curb, basically, which actually broke the curb. NASCAR kept the race green instead of throwing the yellow, held their whistle straight, and William Byron decided to go. William Byron spun out, then it was Kyle Busch, Late Jill Agana going straight in the wall. Basically, long story short, the curb was broken. Half the field got tore up about it. They had an hour-long red flag. NASA, they had to put the race on NBC, the finish on NBCSN. It was not worth it. This is the officiating of NASCAR, people. This is not a learning curve, like people have said. I hate to say that, but it's the truth. And it's really weird that NASCAR probably says, oh, it's a learning curve for us. You know, we it's a learning curve. You know, it's a learning moment. It's not. It's not. Learning, you don't learn. It's simple. You either throw the fucking yell. You either, and I'm sorry if I have to say it. Sorry for the language. Sorry for my cursing. But you either throw the fucking yellow or don't. It's not that 
hard. It's really tough. It is very, very insane. And fans know it. The drivers know it. Everybody knows it. The officiate needs to get cleaned up. We're 25 races into the NASCAR season. You can't be making those blunders. You can't be making those things. That's the reason why that fans don't like it. It's because the because because they don't listen to the drivers. They don't listen to everything like that. And they keep and they hold off the yellow, thinking that oh we don't want to clean up the track that much when really it's a safety issue and literally you could risk lives. I mean the Indianapolis moment. If you found if found it should have happened in New Hampshire, really honestly, I mean it's not a learning curve whether you throw whether you or you throw the green flag when the track is wet because if it's raining and turns one and two, it's inexcusable. You had spotters there. How would they not know? How did they not know that there was it was raining there? You knew it was rain, right? But you decide not to throw the yellow. Why did you not throw the yellow? Why? Like, there's no explanation. There's no need to explain why you did not throw the yellow out. If the track is if it was raining, you throw the yellow out. Um, so, and, and of course, it goes the same with the curb. You know, why did you throw the yellow with debris in there? And you're just like, oh, maybe we didn't know. It got off to the study of that. The curb was broken when Truex went out. You should have thrown the yellow. And again, it's being safe and sorry. So... Again, I know I try not to end the podcast on a negative note, but the officiating needs to get cleaned up. And honestly, if I were the if I were the leader of NASCAR, I would have fired every single one of those officials after Indianapolis. Like seriously, it's inexcusable now. There's no learning curves. There's nothing to learn about. It's either a you throw the yellow out or don't. Some of these you might get away with, but stuff like the visibility and coda. The, of course, the rain in New Hampshire or the rain, the Kansas race and the Indianapolis road course race, they're inexcusable. You knew you had options. You basically screwed yourselves. You should be thankful. And it's really embarrassing. It's negative PR as well. NASCAR needs to try to avoid that negative PR. They need to avoid the negative publicity. Like stuff like the Indianapolis road course race, that gets negative publicity. You know, the rain in New Hampshire, that gets negative publicity as well. They have to avoid those things. They have to really avoid them. And the only way to do that is don't, no one to throw the freaking yellow or don't. And that's the reason why. So that is my top 10 storylines of the 2021 NASCAR season. I think that is a pretty good view of what to focus on and what to learn more about in the NASCAR season. But until then, I think that is going to do it. Uh, of course, we're 25 races in the season. The next um, the next race, which, is, of course, if you listen to the podcast, which comes out probably on Wednesday, which will be on Saturday, is the Daytona race, which finishes the playoffs, which sets the tone for the playoffs, sets the field for the playoffs, basically. I can't even talk. But... Next episode will be the playoff preview. I will go over my guide to the NASCAR playoffs. You probably want to listen to that if you're going to fill out your playoff grid for 2021. If you want to join my playoff pool, which um, at the time of recording this, I'm going to put putting the announcement in tomorrow. So stay tuned for that and stay tuned for next episode, which we were going to be previewing the 2021 NASCAR playoffs. I will give you your guide and everything like that in between. But that's going to do it for you, for us, guys. If you love this podcast, make sure you follow us on Spotify. Please go check out the other previous episodes. Previous episodes. Go follow me on Bing, on twitch.tv slash evix. Join our Discord. All that stuff. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care, guys. See you later.